And this is, just a, this is just a sampling of the groups being offered. And in the second service, we, some of these folks will be back as well as some others. But make sure you get on that app and take a look. Get signed up. Get signed up for a group. So thank you again. I appreciate you being up here and taking that, taking that step. It, believe it or not, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to come up here and talk. So for some people, that's very, very intimidating. So let me just focus on one other thing uh, before we move into our message, and that is that next Sunday is going to be a complete mess, and we like that, okay? Uh, our, our, our values around here, faithful, flexible, focused, fearless, and fun. And we, we lean in hard to flexible. We don't do the same thing every week the same way. We believe that, that God wants us to find joy in flexibility. So next week, when you come to church at 9 o'clock, if you come to church at 9 o'clock, you will sit for an hour of silent prayer because we're not going to offer a 9 o'clock service. Next week, if you turn on the video at 9 o'clock or 10.30, you'll get something that looks like what we used to look at at about 3 o'clock in the morning on television. <laughs> You'll have to watch a past message because next week what we're going to do is the third and final of our summer Sundays outdoors. I think these have just been great opportunities to connect and, and enjoy being part of a church family. And in this particular week, uh, we're, we're not even going to meet here initially. So at 10.30, we're encouraging you to be down at the DuPage River at the Four Rivers Education, Environmental Education Center. And uh, we'll, we have sent you a map link to that so you know exactly where to go. This is the place, when you look at that beautiful slide that we have that says Southfield on it, and you see this, this beautiful river in the background, that's the spot that we love. We just love doing our baptisms. So at 10.30, we'll meet there. As of right now, we have, we have almost 20 people who have said, yes, I want to get baptized next week. So really excited. I know. Wow. And, and part of what's cool, I love when kids get baptized, don't get me wrong, but a lot of them are adults. A lot of people are saying, yeah, it's, it's time for me to, to express fully my devotion to Jesus through baptism. So um, so we're going to be heading to the river to begin, and then uh, we'll return to church after the baptisms. We'll actually come back to church and do a few more, because some people would rather use uh, the much cleaner water that comes from our well than the river, and they want that opportunity. So we'll do a couple more baptisms here, and then we'll move into our picnic. And this, this time we're going to do our picnic a little bit differently. Uh, rather than having the food lined up along the side of the gym, we're going to bring the food into the gym. When you get into September, the yellow jackets go crazy anytime food is around. So th that food will be gone by the time we all get up to eat. And so we're going to have the food down the, down the center of the gym. And, and what we're asking you to do, if you don't mind, if, if, you know, if I, I'd love for you to do this. The dish that you bring if it could represent your family in some way, all right? What do you mean by that? Well, maybe it's, maybe it's a dish that represents your, your nationality. You know, this is, this is kind of, this is the one that, that represents who we are. Or maybe it's just a favorite, a picnic favorite. 
Every picnic we go to, we bring this foamy jello. It's our thing. Um, maybe it's something that someone in your family loves, and if you didn't need it weekly, they'd move somewhere else. Whatever it might be, um, find kind of that thing and bring it. And let's go ahead and share, and, and maybe even we'll get the opportunity to share some of the stories behind our food. You know, what's that all about? Why did you bring that? That sort of thing. So, so if you would do that, um, that, that'll be a lot of fun. Again, for that service, it's important that you bring your way to sit, bring a lawn chair, bring a blanket. And I encourage you even to bring, bring those down to the river. I know a lot of times we just stand at the river, but if you want the opportunity to go ahead and sit, bring the chair with you. Now let me just show you one thing real quick. This is, this is um, the overhead view of where we do the baptisms. And, uh, and I wanted you to see that this is called Moose Island, in case you're not familiar with, with Shanahan. And if you drive all the way down the road coming in, that's where you come to the, the main building of the education center. That's not where we do the baptisms. We do the baptisms at the little red Google thingy where it says Will County Forest. There's actually a parking lot right there, and that's the spot. So as you come in that road, you don't have to go very far. If you go all the way down, it'll be too far. My guess is that all of our cars will not fit into the parking lots that are there. So you may need to do some parking along the side of the road or park a little bit further up the road. Here's the thing. I'm just telling you outright. It's going to be a little inconvenient. Wham! Okay? Get over it. I mean, this is going to be an exciting, fun day to be able to witness all these people who are going to say, yes, I am a devoted follower to Jesus, and I want you to know it. So, so that gives you that. The other thing I just wanted you to see is that it's not difficult to get there. Way up at the top, that's where church is. You get to cut through kind of the old part of Shanahan and on down. You can pass Lorraine Seaman's house and wave as you get on Blackberry Lane and head on over. So if you go ahead and Google that, I promise you, you will get there quickly and easily, okay? If you have any other questions, feel free to email us, send an email back uh, in response to the weekend update, and we'll, and we'll, we'll get, get to hold you on that. And the only other thing is, if you're still considering getting baptized, go ahead and respond to the link in that email. The main thing we're looking for in that is, where do you want to get baptized? Tell us a little bit about your story of salvation. How did you come into a relationship with Jesus? And what do you think baptism is all about? So if you'd fill that out, uh, we'll be in contact with everybody this week in terms of the details, what they need to know in order to uh, participate in baptism together. So I'd like to go ahead and pray as we begin, uh, as we get, get going into the message today. And um, I, don't, I, don't often, I don't often on Sunday morning bring, bring world events into Sunday morning. Uh, not, not to say it's a refuge or something like that, but I think sometimes we've all heard it so much all week long that we don't feel like we need to hear it one more time. But I think this morning there are, there are a, lot heart, a lot of heartbroken moms and dads, a lot of heartbroken kids and potentially spouses. Um, and so I think it's important for us as a church family to pray for people we don't even know. They sacrificed for us. We get to do this right now because of what they did for us. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, our hearts have been wrung this past week. They've been wrung out. It hurts. Think what you want about the past 20 years. The reality is <clears throat> there are people still there 
both soldiers and civilians who have been willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice some based on orders. Sacrifice some just based on love for people and wanting something better. They've been willing to sacrifice. And it hurts. It hurts when that sacrifice involves death. It hurts when when we know that a 20-year-old is now going to be a grave marker in a cemetery instead of growing up to see kids, a spouse, make grandparents proud. hurts. We've seen some of these parents this week on television. And God, give them the comfort only you can give. Little in the world is worse than losing a child. Protect them. Protect the soldiers and civilians that are there right now. Protect them from the evil of terrorists. Protect them from the incompetence and foolishness of political and military leaders. Protect them. hurts God. It's not who we are. It's not who we are. Hear the cry of our hearts today. Allow that pain to bring us somewhere better, to bring us back to you, to bring us back home. We are a nation that has put you to the sideline. Some have even rejected you altogether. Use the pain to bring us safely home to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So it doesn't happen often, but last night I came over here, well, this does happen often. I put together slides or notes or whatever, and I, I like to come practice out loud. I think it's important to, to hear what you're going to say and not just read or, or think about it, have it stuck in your head. And one of the advantages of doing that is I learn how long it's going to take. And yesterday when I was at about point number two and I was already 35 minutes in, I realized that what we were dealing with was a series and not a sermon. So um, I had to pull out the sermon butcher knife and cut off two-thirds of what I was saying, and it's being reserved for uh, two weeks from now. So we've got baptisms next week, and then we'll come back and actually do uh, two more sermons on the same topic. And the topic is quite simply an answer to a question or attempt to an answer to a question, is this the end? Is this the end? I get to ask this a lot. I think people do uh, tend to wonder, where are we? Uh, you know, I mean, this week, this past week has been, it's been painful, and it causes you to wonder, is this it? Is it over? Are we, are we done? You know, when, when I get asked that question, whether out loud or in my heart, um, I, I ask a question in return. And the question I ask in return is, the end of what? The end of what? Because I think I, think I could assume what you're saying, but, but I think the end, we might all have something different in mind. For some, I, I do believe that when they ask that question, they wonder, is this the end? In other words, is Jesus' return 
coming? Is, he, is it time? Is Jesus coming back? Is he going to catch up his church, take us home to heaven, and go on with the, with the rest of the uh, tragic part of human history? What, what's going to happen? Is, is this the end? Is Jesus coming back? I think some people probably think a little more broadly. Is God just ready to declare a ball game over, done, the end, we're, you know, boom, this is it. There's probably a third category of people who wonder if this is the end of America. Is this the end of us as a nation? And, uh, you know, I've lived through different times in this nation. I, I, lived, I lived during uh, theoretically simpler times and all. And, and I, I will say that, boy, you look at where we are right now, and uh, it, it's, it, I, I, let's put it this way, can't imagine going back to who we were. And I know there, there are some people that would say, great, and to which I'd say, you better study history and you better understand the facts because if you think we're going in a good direction right now, we are not. We are not. In many ways, what we were is over. Um, but that's also the way Americans tend to think, right? We tend to think of ourselves instead of the bigger picture. And this really is a bigger picture question. What is God up to in the world? Not just what is God up to in America, but what is God up to in the world? I thought it'd be good by going through a little bit of my personal history and just talking about Dennis and prophecy and where I fall on this particular topic. Because if you've been around for 26 years, I've not talked about prophecy a lot, and you may wonder why. I told you in the past that my family was Catholic when I was a kid, and then we, and then we uh, headed over to a fundamentalist Baptist church. Pretty tense place, pretty intense, pretty strict. A great teaching church, I will say that. And it was during the 70s, uh, we arrived there literally of January of 1970, and, and most of my awareness and co coming to awareness happened in that church uh, during that time. The 70s, especially in fundamentalist circles, were times that, that prophecy was a drumbeat consistently. You heard a lot about the end times. I think there were probably a few reasons for that. You know, we, we were at that point not really too far off of the Second World War. It had only been 30 years. It had not been very long. And the Second World War, I think, left a lot of people scratching their heads. It certainly left a lot of Jewish people scratching their heads. Where is God and where was God in all of this? You know, then you come into Vietnam and some other, some other things during that time. You come up against the, the, the power of the Soviet Union and you wondered, I mean, everybody loves to use the word existential threat these days. No, that was an existential threat. Um, yeah, it caused a lot of people to wonder, to scratch their heads, is this the end? And the church I attended, they'd bring in guest speakers, especially on Sunday nights or for long weeks of meetings. And they'd come in and they'd, they'd have what they called prophecy charts and they would run from one end of the stage to the other. And it would give all the events of human history, past and future, on this chart. And they'd be walking through and talking about all the different pieces of the chart. So, so growing up, I got, I got a saturation, a saturation of study of the end times. It happened quite consistently. We, um, our church got involved in a, in a particular crusade with an evangelist. His name, you might have heard of him, Jack Van Impey. Uh, he's still on TV, I think, from time to time. And um, he, he was holding a series of meetings down at Kleinhans in Buffalo. And this would have been, I was in sixth grade, so 1975-ish. And we went to this particular crusade and at it, he, he was kind of interesting. He played the accordion, he did all this other stuff. And then he started to speak. 
And when he spoke, he started speaking about prophecy in the end times. And he had a belief, he had a conviction. He believed that the planets were about to align. They were, we were, there was scientific reason to believe that the planets were going to align the next year, 1976, I believe it was. And when that planetary alignment took place, it was going to be catastrophic. The magnetic pull, everything else, it was going to cause catastrophes at a level that in his mind, this had to be the end. It was over. Done. I went back to school, and uh, there at Spruce School, we go on field trips, but in the old days when we went on field trips, we didn't load in a bus, we walked. And, and so we were on a field trip to the farmer's market, and I'm, and I'm walking with my friends, and I can, I can see it clear as day. I'm walking up Tremont Street. I'm in front of my friend's house. And I said, I won't be here next year. And my friend said, none of us will be. We're going to junior high. You went to either Payne or Rezel. We weren't going to be there. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I won't be here next year. Jesus is coming back. He's taking away his church, and I'm going to be gone. You won't be able to find me. I just want you to know why. I'm going to be gone. Jesus is coming back. Planets are going to align. This is it. Game done. I was there next year. And the year after, and the year after, and if I count correctly, it's been about 45 years. And I'm still here. And I soured a bit. I didn't sour on prophecy. I soured on predictors. I soured on people who like to say, this is when it's going to happen. I soured on people who like to write books that say, I figured it out. I know the answer. This is it. This is it for sure. Soured on it big time as a little kid. And I've been there pretty much ever since. I really have. Because I don't think God calls us to predict the moment that Jesus is coming back. I think he calls on us to live in the spirit that Jesus is coming back. He wants us to live in the spirit of it and not to try to predict the moment of it. Here, here, here's prophecy summed up in seven words for Dennis. Doesn't take a big chart. Doesn't, doesn't take lots of fancy schmancy stuff, okay? Seven words. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? That's it. There's prophecy for you. I can assure you, Without any doubt, Jesus is coming back. He said, you will see me come back as you've seen me go into heaven. Jesus is coming back. And that knowledge should motivate us not, not, to, not to buy, you know, hoarding food for the next seven years or God knows what. That knowledge should motivate us to live like he is. It should motivate us to live as if he could be here at any moment. Now, i got to admit there's a problem with this approach. There's a real problem with this approach, and here it is. It's not sensational. People love the details. What's this bowl? What's this horn? Why does that guy only have one eye? Dragon. Ooh, you know. All, they love all this stuff. They love all this stuff. It is, is it any reason we love some of the stuff we love on TV? We love sensational stuff, and we like trying to figure it all out. And when I simply say, Jesus is coming back, are you ready? You're like, but what about the bulls? What about the horns? What about all that stuff? Wait, and it, it just doesn't feel as exciting to say, I really believe by September 14th, it's going to be all over. Are you ready? It's not as sensational. 
It's interesting to me that even when we offer small groups around church, if we ask, what do you want to study? End times. Let's study the end times. Because we want to figure out the details, and we love figuring out the details of what's going on there in the Bible. It's not sensational to say Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? I'll tell you what it is, though. It's intellectually responsible. It's taking what we can know as human beings and say, this is what we can know for sure. Jesus said he's coming back, I believe it. And I want to be ready for his return. It's intellectually responsible. We believe theologically in in a concept, a term called imminence or the imminent return of Jesus. We believe in the imminent return of Jesus. That means that it could happen at any moment, the any moment return of Jesus. Imminence is the state or fact of being about to happen. The end times began quite literally the moment Jesus' feet left the mountain in Jerusalem. The moment his feet left the mountain in Jerusalem, the end times began. And ever since, every conscientious uh, you know, love, lover of God, follower of Jesus, has wondered, is this the moment? The Apostle John wondered, is this the moment? The Apostle Paul wondered, is this the moment? 2,000 years later, we're still wondering, is this the moment? I think there's a tremendous genius behind the concept of imminence. And that is that everybody's left wondering. We all left wondering, could this be it? I often look at the events of World War II, what took place during that time. And I'll tell you what, if during World War II you didn't wonder if it was the end, you weren't awake. Six million people annihilated by a madman? There had to have been people hunting that guy's body for a birthmark, 666. They had to have been looking. They had to have been wondering. Every generation has something takes place that causes that generation to say, could this be it? Could this be the moment? You know, here's the, the sad fact of human nature. You can ask any teacher, and you can pretty much ask any student. If I tell you the exam is going to be on September 17th at 10 o'clock, when are you going to study? September 16th at 3 in the morning. Well, September 17th at 3 in the morning. You're going to wait until the bitter end to get ready, right? If we knew the day and moment Jesus was coming, most of us would sin like the devil up until five minutes before. And then we'd say, okay, better clean it up. We'd cram for the exam. And instead, Jesus, in just absolute brilliance, set this up. God the Father actually did to say, you won't know when, but you better know this. It's going to happen. Any moment, imminent return of Jesus. It's intellectually responsible, and it's also, I believe, biblically accurate. It's biblically accurate to say Jesus is coming back, are you ready? And to not obsess, to not obsess over trying to name a date. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says, and then at last the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be a deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of the trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the earth, from the farthest ends of the earth and the heavens. And then Jesus says, However, 
No one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son of God himself. Only the Father knows. It's the one fact that only the Father knows. Nobody knows when Jesus will come back. It is utterly futile to try to sit and name dates and times and places of the return of Jesus when not even Jesus knows the moment he will return. Tell you what, anybody selling you a book that tells you this is the pinpoint date Jesus is coming back just got $16.95 from you. Thank you very much. Because Jesus himself couldn't write the book. Jesus himself couldn't say, I know when I'm coming back. How can we know with pinpoint certainty what even Jesus does not know? We can't. And so it is important for us to be intellectually honest and to be biblically accurate and to say, I don't know. I don't know if this is the end or not. I don't know if this is the moment or not. It could be. It could be. I tell you what, my spirit is inclined to say, uh-huh, I, I, I just can't see a time in, in that so many things line up to point to the coming of Jesus. And, and that, those are some of the things that we're, we're going to cover as we, as we take this expanded version of this series rather than the abbreviated version I was going to cover today. So, let's just, what do we do with prophecy? Well, Here's one thing. We can see signs, and Jesus commands us to watch for the signs. We're supposed to watch for the signs. He told us to. He, he told us in Matthew chapter 24, Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near. It's right at the door. So he says, one of the things that I'd encourage you to do is, is pay attention to the world around you and watch the signs. Have an awareness of the signs around you. And that's part of what we do. We spend time looking at the world, looking at the word, and saying, could this be it? Having said that, we never live in the arrogance of saying, I've figured out the date and time. I've figured out the exact moment. We can't do that as human beings. Not even Jesus can do that. Another thing we do with prophecy, we can wonder and let that wonder motivate holy living. We can wonder, is this the moment? And, and if it were the moment, how would you act? I love when this happens. It's so fun. Have you, have you ever been in the room with a parent when the parent comes maybe walking into the room or is present for just a moment and the kid becomes aware of the presence of the parent? Have you noticed how many times they have the word busted written across their forehead? I literally, I think it was just this past week, I was, I was with a family, and, 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 and like mom said something, and you could see the kid go, because they were, they were in the middle of a criminal act, right? <laughs> they were busted. As I wonder, could this be the day? Here's what I also wonder. What will I be doing when he comes back? What will I be doing? 
Will I be caught doing what is right? Will I be caught doing what is evil? Matthew chapter 24, starting with verse 42 says, So you too must keep watch, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready at all times, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. And so if we live in this state of imminence, if we live in this state of constant readiness, it motivates holy living. We want to be caught doing what is right. We don't want to be caught doing the wrong thing. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, it's, it's a go-to. I literally look at it every time I walk and pray. I don't even have to look at it anymore. It's well ingrained. 1 John 2, 28. First verse I ever did a, a Bible study for with, it, with my youth group. Now, dear children, Continue in him, abide in him, remain in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Do you see both sides? He says, when he appears, you want to be caught doing what is right, and you don't want to be caught doing what is wrong. When I take time to think about the coming of Jesus, when I dwell on the wonder of it, it motivates holy living. It motivates me to want to, to do the right thing and to live a righteous life. What else do we do with prophecy? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, we receive blessing for digging deeply into the mystery of Scripture. I, I'm not saying, you know, my experience as a, as a sixth grader didn't cause me to say, that's it, I'm never looking at the book of Revelation again. That's it, I'm done with Daniel. That's not it. What it caused me to say is, anybody that tries to give me a date, I'm going to call them a charlatan, because that's what they are. But we're blessed for digging deeply into the mysteries of Scripture. Revelation 1.3 say, says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take, it to, heart, take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. It says there is blessing in reading Scripture, reading prophecy, trying to understand it. I just encourage you, don't get so lost in the fascination over the details that you forget the point. The point is Jesus. The point is Jesus. The point is that he's coming back. In fact, the whole point of the book of Revelation is worship of Jesus Christ. It's all about worshiping the Lamb. That's what it's all about. Another thing we can do with prophecy, we can watch, we can wait, and we can long for his appearing. He walked into a song like a bride waiting for his groom. We'll be a church ready for you. There should be within us a longing for the appearance of Jesus. I remember when I was like 18, 19, 20, that sort of thing, and an old geezer like me would say that. I'd be like, yeah, but I want to finish college and get married and have a kid first. Then Jesus can come. I want to live a little life before Jesus comes. I am now old, gray, and shriveled up, almost dead. I can't wait. I can't wait for Jesus to return. I am so, so ready. Sorry, kids. You'll, you'll love heaven a whole lot more. It'll be so much better. We can watch, we can wait, and we can long for his appearing. 1 Timothy 4.8, Paul actually tells us there is a, a reward for people who long for the appearing of Jesus. He says, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing 
says, are you one of these people that just every day goes, Jesus, today would be a great day? There's a reward waiting in heaven for people who long to see the bridegroom at the end of the aisle. For people who, when they look at beautiful clouds, don't just go, isn't that a beautiful cloud? But they wonder, are you there? And are you about to blow that trumpet? And are you about to bring me home? Because I'm so ready. I'm so sick of this sin-soaked world. I am so ready to be with you. Revelation 22, 20. He who is faithful witness to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. To which John replied, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So every day that I walk and pray, there are three verses I pray in a row. The first verse is, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let me live today pleasing you. The second verse I pray to God every day is, every day I walk, little children, Dennis, abide in him, continue in him, remain in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. And the third verse I pray is, he who is faithful witness to these things says, behold, I am coming soon. And it's almost always at the same point in the walk. I've got kind of a rhythm of prayer. It's almost always at the same point of the walk. There's this dead tree and there's open sky. And I often walk with a hat on because of these nasty little biting flies on the Iam Canal. But it doesn't matter if there's a fly present because in that moment, as I come to those words, I take off my hat. And I look at the sky, and I say, amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And I wouldn't mind if you did it today. I wouldn't mind if you did it right now. I actually stop and hold my breath. I don't like heights. <laughs> Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? you're a little scared right now because of what's going on in the world, good. Maybe you'll think about it. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Do you even have a relationship with God through Jesus? If you have a relationship with God through Jesus, are you living it? Are, are you, is it motivating holy living? Or is Jesus just a Sunday thing you pull out for an hour and then put away and go live your life? Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? So we'll picnic next week, and then we'll come back and take what was a sermon and probably do two or three more. And what we're going to do is look at some signs. The signs really answer this question. What in the world is happening? And how do the things that are happening in the world align with what the Bible teaches in terms of the end? And at one point, we'll even probably do just a, a little bit of a prophecy primer so that you kind of know the words and terms and have an idea of what this thing is all about. So our team is coming to lead us in two beautiful songs. And as they do, we're going to walk to communion. And we're going to be reminded that God in heaven loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son so that anyone who believes in him will not die but have eternal life and we'll take communion in our mouths today, and as we do, we'll be reminded that while we are
thinking about the presence of Jesus while he was on earth dying for our sins, the reality is he is in heaven right now. And at any moment, the Father could say, it's time, go get him. It's time, go get him. Jesus is coming back. I sure hope you're ready. You know, it's funny when it comes to prophecy, heaven, eternity, all these things. I think that sometimes uh, we have such a we have such a childish view of it all. We're, we're, we're so immature in our thinking. And they're like, if you don't feel that way, just lay it on me. I'm immature in my thinking, and I'm childish in my thinking. I think about what heaven will be like, and I only know what I know now, and so I expect heaven to have a lot of what I know now. So, for example, we're sitting listening to that song, and I'm thinking, you know what I can't wait to do? If we're going to be there forever, we're going to have time, right? Um, I can't wait for the day that there's request day, and I, can, and I can say to Jesus, I want you to hear Dana Aubrey sing What a Beautiful Name It Is. <laughs> I do. I do. I want it in part because I can't wait to see the look on her face when, when I say it. But then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm literally thinking about this, and I go, we don't have to wait. She just did. She just did. That's how close Jesus is. That's how thin the veil is. He's right here all the time. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? But here's the thing. Jesus is right here. Are you living like it? He's right here. Now, a little confession. The people in the back know it. I didn't even get to the first point today. That was the introduction. So, so the series got a little longer. But anyway, we hope you'll come back. But don't come back next week at 9 o'clock or you will be lonely. 10.30 at the river. All right, let's say it together. 10.30 at the river. See you then. Enjoy your week.